Assalamu alaikum. This is episode 23, Rami, 13 Reasons Why and Telling Stories in Hollywood with screenwriter Sahar Jahani. Giving the example of Rami, we were aware of it and we were like, Muslims are going to hate this. Like we, he, he knew. Sahar Jahani is an Iranian-American writer-director raised and residing in Los Angeles. After receiving an MFA in film and television screenwriting, Sahar worked in development at YouTube Originals before transitioning to the writer's room on Hulu's award-winning Rami. What are your goals for this life? For this life? Yeah, before the Day of Judgment. Yeah, you know, I'm not really like a big planner. You know, I'm kind of more like an in-the-moment kind of guy. She also wrote and directed Just One Night, an award-winning short film, and was a writer on season four of Netflix's 13 Reasons Why. We'll be talking with Sahar about her journey into the film industry and landing a writer's role in Rami. We'll be discussing the negative Muslim reactions to the show and the hunger for Muslim representation on film and TV. We'll also be talking about the writer's room on TV shows, tips for getting into screenwriting and the relationship between the art of film and our spirituality. Welcome once again to 786 Boulevard. Sahara, assalamu alaikum. Thank you so much for joining us here on this episode. Really appreciate you taking from your busy, busy schedule. Uh, we're really happy, me and Hassan, both of us, to have you on uh, and really hope to learn from your wisdom today on this episode. Uh, someone who has uh, worked on a lot of, uh, you know, really fantastic shows and Emmy Award winning shows as well. Um, so we're really lucky to have you on. Uh, thank you so much once again for joining us. Thank um, you. Thank you. For appreciate it. Me. Appreciate it. I wanted to start off with uh, a bit of a kind of heavy question, I guess. Um, Damn it. <laughs> Sorry, Hasnain. Don't they start with easy questions? You, usually I start off with the icebreaker, but I thought let's just kind of jump straight into it. Um, I mean, given the lack of Muslims in the film industry, usually conversations around Muslims in the film industry are about them pioneering and challenging stereotypes and changing the conversation. Do you feel that you fall under that category? Or, or for you, is it just like you're just doing what you love and, and that's kind of it? Yeah, that's a good question, I guess. No, I do feel like there's a... a sense of responsibility for sure. And I would be lying if I said I didn't feel that um, only because I have never seen another like hijabi Muslim American in a writer's room. So I, I know that there are not that many, um, but not, that's not to say I'm the only one. And, and that's not to say I, I will be the first. I'm not the first. I'm sure there's others before me. So I just want to acknowledge like the work of people of color and like everybody who's done the job of getting us here where we are today. So I, I hesitate when I feel like people are like, you're the one. I, I, I don't think that's the case for anything, but I, I, I definitely feel it. I feel like you can't deny the fact that there are so few Muslims in Hollywood and you, you do walk into a room, you have a sense of responsibility to represent that voice, um, particularly in situations where you know you're there to represent a voice. Um, like, for example, right now I'm on a show where there is a hijabi, Iranian, Muslim, queer <laughs> character, and I'm not queer, but, you know, I'm all those other things. And I'm like, well, I know why I'm here. I know that I, I need to sort of speak up for this character. Um, but with that said, I think like anyone who wants to be an artist, anyone who wants to be a writer, director, they definitely don't want to be like the Muslim writer, you know, or the, the black writer. Like, that's not, I don't think any of us want to be just stereotyped and labeled into like the thing that we look like or the identity that we represent we we want our art to speak for itself so um 
I'm very conscious of it. I'll, I'll answer the question and say that if, if that's helpful. <laughs> to, sure. to, to what extent do you feel like you need to embrace your, your Muslimness? Because I feel like a, a lot of Muslims so in the film industry now, at least kind of like the ones that I'm seeing, are telling Muslim stories, are writing Muslim stories. Do you think that's essential for a Muslim to kind of, I guess, maybe, I want to say, stand out in the industry or get ahead in this industry? Or, you know, is, that, is, that, is it not really that necessary? No, I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like you just have to tell good stories. Like, that's the reason why, you know, so many of, of the shows that we're seeing now. I mean, there's, look, like, there's there's a world that we're living in. It's it's a, another, another uh, generation, a new generation of, of execs and people in Hollywood who are conscious and they're waking up and they're like, we have to represent. And that's certainly helpful to, to getting these stories out. But the reason why, like, I think, you know, a show like Rami, which I worked on um, and other stuff that's coming about is also because they're just good stories and they're told well, and it's not leaning. It's actually not leaning on just an identity. It's like, let's talk about themes. Let's talk about politics, race, like let's let's dive deeper than just like we are Muslim. Um, I I don't think that can sell a show. Like there's just so much more to storytelling. So I think there's the emotional component, um, the drama, and and I think like you need all those pieces for it to be good. Cause there's certainly been stuff out in the ether about Muslims. Like there's been Muslim characters, we've had movies and and other things, but why does certain stuff stand out and and I think that's because there's an emotional component that feels real it feels universal it feels like authentic and we're not like trying to be something it's just like this is what it is so I think if you can just lean into like the specificity of who who you are as an artist and a writer like that's the most important thing and for me that's just inherent like being Muslim is just inherently part of who I am so it's going to come out one way or another Um, but I certainly don't try to like tell the Muslim story because I think when you try too hard it's like oh this is people can smell it right like we can smell like the like the Muslim hijabi like cool girl like it's just it's trying too hard like it's trying to be something that it's not um so I'm yeah that's just how I feel about it I I I know that there's other opinions on that but um I I would say like lean into the opposite end of that Mm-hmm. Uh, but but know where you're from and, and try to bring out that specificity of who you are. Hasnain, just kind of like uh, uh, training off and, and, and coming back to you. What do you think, uh, in your opinion, is, is, is the right way to, to tell uh, a Muslim story uh, on screen or, 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 or a way that uh, you, know, you kind of enjoy? Um, I think uh, part of it is taking the Muslim out of it, uh, to be honest with you. It's just like you're telling a good Muslim story, but... Uh, like for me, I'm, I was born and raised in New York and I'm a Muslim New Yorker. I'm a New Yorker Muslim, right? Take away the Muslim and just show me as a regular New Yorker. I just do certain things a certain way because I, I, it's a culture and it's a religious thing for me. But at the end of the day, my accent, according to a lot of people, I, I speak like a New Yorker. I have New York slang. I'm a New Yorker just like any other New Yorker you have. And I think that when you can show a story of somebody like myself who just has a little extra uniqueness to him but at the end of the day he's a new yorker going about his his train ride or something i just think that that's kind of the the most powerful thing and i'm going to repeat this again because i always repeat it but you mentioned it so many times i know you're going to say you know like 007 you know why can't we have a muslim 
secret agent that's just American. And we just say, hey, Hasnan Ali 008. Like, <laughs> we welcome him. Like, like. Yeah, just, I agree. I, I think that question of like, what's the, I'm sorry to point out your question. No, please go for the it. question of right or wrong is that binary to me sounds so terrible because it's like, just put any other like category of person in that blanket. Like, is there a right way to tell a black story? Is there a right yeah. way to tell a Latinx story? I, I just think it's about character. And in, if you go in a writer's room, like that's all you talk about. You actually don't even talk about like what, I mean, you should talk about their race, their identity, and those yeah. conversations are to be had, but it's more like, what's the motivation of this character to do something because of their, you know, their deeply rooted emotional issues. Like it's all about emotion. And I think people like forget, like that's what drama is. Drama oh. is just emotions colliding and conflict coming about. Um, for various reasons and if your only conflict is your is that you're Muslim like yeah. to me that's an insane that's an insane yeah. premise like I don't I don't care I want to know more and uh, I think like that's what's good storytelling is the drama the conflict and the emotional arcs of your characters that you can build from the foundation of like I'm Muslim and maybe like or I'm a cop and I happen to be Muslim or I'm 007 a secret service guy or whatever secret agent and i happen to be muslim like those are interesting yeah. nuances but then i would even go deeper and i'd be like does he like broccoli does he like skateboard like what what is this person <laughs> like um and that's a predominantly like a lot of the time we spend in a room is just figuring that stuff out like what, oh. do, what do they like what do they not like Hey guys, thank you for listening to us. Please remember to subscribe to us on every platform, YouTube, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, and whatever other one that we're on. We're on so many, but please subscribe to us. Really appreciate it. And hope you enjoy the rest of the conversation. I think that, that that's such an interesting conversation around Muslim representation on screen. And it's something we've discussed on this podcast quite a few times. So I, I don't want to repeat myself, but briefly, you know, you have that kind of... Um, those perspectives and 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 um, that Rizamid often refers to when he talks about how he broke into the industry and how you kind of start off with that terrorist role and your 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 typecast and then you move on to subverting uh, mm -hmm. genres and then you move on to essentially becoming a character on screen who might may or may not be Muslim but who is still you know a, a big part of the story you know Jason Bourne for example Venom uh, even recently the Sisters Brothers you know he's very apparently brown he could be Muslim we don't know for sure um, but that that part of his character isn't essential isn't the main part of the story um mm -hmm. i want to move on to to your own journey because i feel like it, it, you know it's it's important to because you are a muslim uh, in the film industry who's screenwriting i feel like a lot of people um listening will be inspired by your journey and have a lot to learn uh, from your journey so just kind of like starting off tell us about why you got into screenwriting um and and you know how you kind of uh, decided to 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 move into that industry yeah yeah for sure um so thank you that that would that would that would have been the good first question <laughs> um, no, I, I love that we we did the dirty stuff first um the good stuff the good stuff no uh i started out so i actually wanted to be a journalist because you know as as a iranian you know my parents are iranian we're, we're immigrants i'm i'm a first generation american muslim all those things, you know, one of the main things that was very important to them was having a career and making sure you can make money and, and be right. stable and be independent and like have a life. So 
I always loved the arts. I've always loved writing. I just didn't know that you could be a TV writer. Like I just, nobody ever told me. Uh, I don't have any examples of other people being TV writers, but I loved television. Like I was a couch potato, according to my parents. And, but to me, that was important because I was trying to like understand storytelling is, is what I tell myself. Like all those hours of uh, Dawson's Creek was, was purely- I love that show. Yes, yes, purely for <laughs> educational purposes, you know? And, and like my parents just didn't know what to, I think, do with me. They were like, okay, like be a writer, but like maybe you can be a journalist. You know, that's a, that's a nice uh, career. It's respectable and um, it, it's something they could comprehend. And I, I too was like, okay, I'm gonna go be a correspondent. I really wanted to be like a war correspondent because that's where the adrenaline is. And, you know, I, that's all I knew what to do with what I wanted to do, which is writing. Um, but as soon as I went to college, uh, I went to school at UC Irvine in California and it was around 2009, 10. And as you know, like back then we didn't have social media to the extent that we do now. Like we have right. Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, all this stuff. And journalism was really dying. It was a career that you did not want to go into. Mm. So everybody was like, you should learn other things, like learn how to use a camera, learn how to podcast. Like that was where it was going. We did not have podcasts back then. Uh, this is like a new phenomenon. So I, in order to like supplement the journalism, I double majored in film mm -hmm. as a backup plan. This is how crazy I was as a backup plan. And my parents were just like, all right, we're done with you. Like you, you go, figure, <laughs> go figure your life out. And I really like, and then I fell in love with filmmaking. I fell in love with that kind of medium and that kind of storytelling because it's so visual and I'm a very visual learner and I love movies and television. And I've always just assumed like, I really like that stuff, but you can't make a career out of it, which is ironic because I grew up in Los Angeles. I grew up in Hollywood and yet I didn't know one Muslim person in Hollywood. I didn't know anybody. And I just, that career and that trajectory and that journey was very confusing to me. And it still, it still is like, it's very hard to get into this industry. A lot of people hit me up and are like, how do you do this? So I think this conversation about the journey is important because I've, mm. I would ask that question from anybody I met. I'd be like, how did you do this? Right. And so I did a lot of internships. I think like, I wouldn't say this to the young children of the world, but like filmmaking is all about doing it like you got to go out and do it like you can learn the theory in school you can like right. learn how to use a camera but you really have to go out there and do it so I interned at a bunch of film companies um, like Paramount Pictures and CBS Films and my job was mainly to read scripts so I would read the scripts and do coverage which is like what an intern does they they do like a book report essentially on a script and your job is to like weed out the good scripts from the bad and that's like the most important skill. If you can learn how to identify a good script, um, I think it's like the most essential part, essential part of storytelling is trying to figure out what a good story is. Mm -hmm. And so I, I kind of learned a little bit about writing and I got really interested and I was like, you can get paid to like write movies and TV. I truly did not know. And that was my first foray into screenwriting a little bit. However, I really thought I was going to get into production because that's kind of where all the, the jobs in my brain were at. Um, and I PA'd on a bunch of film sets and PAing is like being an assistant on a film set. That's kind of your the entry level job that you can get. Um, and I really loved it. I really loved the adrenaline of being on set and running around. And I've done 
very terrible jobs. Like I've done everything that you can possibly think of. Um, I've got gotten coffee. I've spilled coffee. I had to like multiple times. This is just a fun anecdote, but like there's a scene in a movie where the guy throws chips on the floor and my job was to sweep up the chips wow. back into the bag and then redo that a hundred times because they didn't buy enough bags of chips. Like it was just like a crazy world. Um, and then I was like, all right, I don't want to do production because it's just a crazy life of, you know, being on the grind 12 hours a day. It's it's insane. But I learned a lot being on set and you just you, you learn about the process and that's really important. Um, and then I graduated school and I got my first job in production at YouTube Space LA, which is a YouTube facility for creators. Um, and they come and they make they used to make content. I don't, it doesn't really exist anymore, but it was like this awesome space where like we, we had a bunch of top creators would come and make their content there. And I was a producer and I'd help coordinate like how to make their content. Um, and it's, it's, it was interesting. This is like early 2013, 14. And this is the, the height of like YouTube fame. I think if you know, like people like Lily Singh or PewDiePie or um, all these people would come there and make content. And it was really interesting. Cause I, to that point, like had not seen digital um, media like that before. So it was really fascinating to see these young people just making stuff and just like going yeah. out there and doing it. And it really inspired me to want to make my own content. So while I was there, I made a few, I made a short film, did not do well. And that's the, the moral of the story is you just have to start somewhere. You just have to like right. get into it and do it and learn on the job. Um, and then I, I was like, I really don't like production. Like I need to get out of producing. My head was always thinking about stories and storytelling. And I got really lucky. Um, YouTube actually created something called YouTube Originals, which is like the Netflix of YouTube. Like you right. pay, it's like YouTube Red. This is not in, not in existence anymore. But my my job at YouTube Originals was to work on the scripted team and find, again, good scripts, good shows, that we could green light. And one of like the shows we, we uh, green lit was Cobra Kai, which is the Karate Kid sequel. And it's now on Netflix and it's like number, number 10, top 10 in the world kind of show. And that was my job was to like read these scripts and find good stuff. And it was really, really interesting. It was really cool. And I did that for two years. I'm sorry, this is such a long anecdote. No, please go for <laughs> I'm getting, it. I'm getting to the good stuff. Um, I did that for two years and really learned like the business of show business because a lot of writers and they start working as assistants in these like scripted development teams. So at a network or at a studio. And that's where you really, really learn like who's who, who are the agents, who are the managers, uh, who are the talented writer directors. And it really helped me like just get into the main stream of knowledge of like what's going on in the industry um but i was still really unhappy and i really wanted to be on the other end of this table as not an executive not like somebody on the corporate side but somebody who was actually doing the work and creating and i i just had never seen other muslims i was like there's no muslim women who are writers like i've never i've never met one and that's when I was inspired to go to grad school um, while I was working and nobody knew I was going to grad school. So I kept it a secret because I didn't want to lose my job. But for two years, I uh, got an MFA in screenwriting at, at night, would go to work in the morning. Wow. And I just did that. And I just like had no life. 
Um, and that's kind of like the hustle. Like you kind of just have to like do it again. I'm the, the reoccurring theme is just like, go for it and do it. And I ended up with a pilot script that got me the job on Rami. Um, I knew his show was going to Hulu and I was like, that's the show I want to work on. Uh, I knew Rami peripherally, like just through friends. And uh, I also knew all the agents. So my agent submitted my script to like his team and I interviewed and like, alhamdulillah, got the job. It was really, really interesting, <laughs> really fun. Um, season one was definitely like a learning experience. Um, I was a writer's assistant, so I wasn't even a writer. I was an assistant and I would take all the notes and gather all the documents and pitch stories and be in the writer's room. And then I got a script. I wrote episode five of Rami, season one, um, which is the Ramadan episode. And then that, so yeah, so I left my job at YouTube and just like went for it. I went, went in to be a writer and the rest is sort of history. I worked on Rami. I ended up like winning a bunch of fellowships, which is also another way you can get into writing is going, going through these diversity programs. So I got into the Warner Brothers diversity program. Um, I don't know if you guys have heard of these things, but it's like a six month fellowship where you go to the studio Warner Brothers and they essentially teach you how to like write for their shows. I think every studio kind of has one like Universal. And it's just like a, it's like a training program. Um, and at the end of it, you're supposed to get staffed on a show. And my, I was the only, I was one of two comedy writers um, and it was a big deal to get that program. But what I realized is I don't wanna, I don't wanna write for any of their shows. And I just didn't love the program. I was like, I feel a little bit icky. Like I feel like I'm being used as like a diversity tool. And that's a whole other topic we can discuss, but I ended up leaving and I got onto 13 Reasons Why, uh, the last season on Netflix. Also another crazy show we can talk about. Uh, and that was really the first time I felt like a writer because I was not there to represent like a Muslim woman character. I was not, there are no Muslims on the show. I was just like a writer and I felt very, felt really good to just be chosen from like hundreds of other people they could have chosen. Well, so much to take in. Uh, you had an incredible journey uh, and, and there's so much I want, I want to speak about. Um, I want to kind of backtrack. I do want to speak about Rami because I feel, I feel like that, that, that's an important and, and big part of the conversation. But just before we get into that, I want to backtrack uh, to the very beginning. Um, yeah, please. Because I have which, a lot of beginning questions too. <laughs> yeah. I, th I think what was so nice and, and what was so inspiring was that, you know, you talked about how you know, TV and film was something you always loved, you know, growing up, which I think is a sentiment that both me and Hasnain share, and I'm sure many people uh, share as well. Um, and I feel like for Muslims, um, I, I guess maybe for some Muslims, because I think some of, my, some of my friends think I'm crazy, but when I, you know, digest film and TV, for me, the visuals and the experience, I always get like a spiritual experience out of it which is why I always wanted to find the connection between art and spirituality. I always walk away from a film, uh, you know, feeling inspired, an inspiring film, feeling, feeling inspired in one way or another to reconnect with, uh, you know, my spirituality, my faith and, and my religion. And whether that be uh, because of something that was very obvious in the film or whether that be, you know, uh, through the subtle messages of the film via visuals or cinematography or whatever. Um, so what kind of relationship do you think there is between um, art and spirituality in, in the world of consuming uh, film and TV? I, I, I don't know if I would call it spirituality. Um, there's definitely a sense of that too. Like I think when you watch a really amazing film, you're like, my gosh, this is a work of art. And I see a part of myself 
in this and maybe there's a sense of ref I think film mirrors life right uh, or tv mirrors life or it should and really really good storytelling is echoing just like what you're feeling and a really really great story I think anybody can watch and get something out of it and be like that's me and that's my life and that's a really hard thing to do like I think specificity and universality are like interesting because I think in getting into the real specific thing, you can kind of make a bold, broad statement about the world. And that's really what it is. Like you're telling a very small story, whether it's like Parasite or uh, Minari or whatever great film that you think of. It's a very small world, but it's telling a very universal story and, and a theme that you can relate to. So I always feel like watching a show or a movie should be a reflection of like, my emotional reality and it should tell me something and it should make me feel something and if I don't feel anything at the end of it then I don't like it um but it's not always a good thing like it's not always supposed to be positive like you shouldn't just have to walk away from everything and be like oh I feel so great and it's so awesome <laughs> I don't think I that's feel I, I feel heartbroken and, and depressed that many times walk away from films just to just to clarify <laughs> yeah okay good good yeah and and that's I think any emotion any sort of emotion you feel is good and then I hope like people walk away reflecting on it and not just being like, oh, that's very entertaining. Because I think even the biggest action movies, like the Marvel films, they're all very emotional and they all have like very interesting themes about the universe. And so hopefully you take that away and then you can go and reflect on it. So that I think that's the spiritual experience for me mm. is trying to identify like what that character is doing emotionally and being like, do I act like that? Like, is that what I'm doing in my daily life? And if it doesn't feel real to me, then I feel like it's kind of failed. Um, and so I try to always write from a place of reality. I can, it's hard for me. I can't, I can't really write stuff that I don't understand. Like it's very hard for me to do. That's why it's like, I, I would probably, I, I would never say never, but like probably won't do an action film or like a sci-fi movie I just I don't I don't know if I can do it I I really just want to write from a place that feels real and something that I've either experienced or I know what that feeling feels like that's where I always go and and that's where my brain heads towards but I, I have to do better of like this is the problem with being a writer is like you kind of have to put yourself in other people's shoes and you have to be able to build worlds as well as tell emotional stories. So um, I agree, but I agree. I agree. I think it's like a spiritual experience and it, and it should be deeply moving when you, when you watch something, even if it's just funny, like it should be heartwarming and, mm -hmm. and like make you laugh and cry and like all those things. Like I, I completely agree, but yeah. I don't think that's it necessarily. Um, I think some things do affect you in a negative way. And I think you have to be a little bit conscious of the things that we watch and, and the emotions they carry. Cause I do think like, if you watch something and take it the wrong way, I don't know. I, I do believe that that's the, and that's the responsibility of being a writer in a, in a sense that um, you have to be conscious of who your audience is Um even with like all the ratings and stuff we put out there. I, Cause I worked on a teen show, 13 reasons why. And that show is very controversial for its portrayal of suicide slash um, rape and sexual assault. And we had so many conversations about how do you portray a certain um, activity? Like, is this, is this going to affect people? But what I really think is like, 
if we don't talk about the issue, like that's actually worse than talking about it and showing it. And um, there's no cause and correlation between like watching somebody commit suicide and people like that whole conversation is so disappointing to me because then it's like, you know, that can go for anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, and I feel like you shouldn't stray away from a subject because you're afraid people are going to uh, replicate it. I think we should really talk about stuff and really try to address it um, in film and television and, and hopefully help people and, and recognize like an issue in our community or in the, in the world and and hopefully start a conversation. Mm. I think I, I definitely, sorry, I was thinking just before you jump in, I, I would definitely agree agree with you on, on saying that f- film is such a, you know, even for me personally, the way I kind of take film in does kind of reconnect me with my emotions. So often the message that I take might be something that I need to, 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 to reconnect with in my life, which might not have been the main message of the film or, or any part of the film, but because of the way the story was told, it kind of moves me toward that. Um, two films that kind of stand out for me uh, as straight up religious experiences for me, uh, mm-hmm. Terence Malick's The Thin Red Line and The New World. I try to sit down and watch those once every few years. And because those films are, are, are less of, you know, your typical uh, uh, uh I would say, I don't use the word typical, but like most other films, it's more like poetry, right? It's it's more like him portraying less of a story and more just literally two and a half hours of raw emotion and just leaving you kind of taken aback and 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 and, and reflecting, uh, like you said. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I would say there are certain films that kind of reconnect me with myself and my faith, I guess maybe myself and then my faith. Um, and and I, I definitely do uh, uh, take filming like that. Hasnain, same question to you. What was the question? <laughs> the question is, do you feel like um, there is a, a relationship between uh, when you sit down and consume film and TV, is there right. a relationship between that consuma- the consumption of film and TV and your spirituality? And does it have an impact on your spirituality, positive or negative? Um, so some films don't. Um, some films do do uh, make me more God conscious. Some films do... Um, make me reflect a lot i think reflection is the better word than 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 spirituality or consciousness because re- reflection is faith in my opinion right if you if you watch something and you reflect based on it um how can you better yourself or like wow that's really interesting you know you reflect on it so uh yeah i mean it happens to me quite often i watch more films and i watch shows i don't really watch shows i just want i want a beginning middle end that's it move on um, I don't want to be okay. Episode two, episode three. Um, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely, yeah. Wonderful. Uh, moving back back onto Rami. Um, you know, you no, not about... moving on to Rami. I have questions. Well, I have so I much say... in my head right now. That's why I can't think go straight. On, go on, jump I have in, so jump much in. to say. All jump right. in. Go on. Jump in. Um, before we move on to Rami, you you mentioned something really beautiful about how you say you can only write based on things that um, that mean something to you, like you, you can reflect on them and stuff like that. So. Um, I did get a chance to watch your short from Just One Night. Um, oh, yeah. Um, it was a really, really uh, amazing short film. Um, and, you know, my question to you when I was watching that and then, you know, reading up on your bio about Rami and all this other stuff, is there is there a difference um, in writing for television versus writing for film? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's a lot of differences. Uh, And just with what you said, in terms of format, I mean, you film is beginning, middle, end. It's three acts, you're done, you're over with, and those characters move on. 
television is so much more, I think about world building and getting into the show. And then once you're in, there's like all these characters that you're following and you really have to make sure that everything leads to the next thing and that it feels propelling and like that there's an overarching season story and then individual character stories. Whereas film is much more, I hate to say, but like a little bit more simple in that you're just there with those characters and that three acts and and then you're done. And so in a lot of ways, I think TV is harder because um, you're trying to build a universe while creating a show that could potentially last 18 seasons. Because again, TV, film, it's all commercial. It's all a business. So the, the, the ones that can be long lasting, the shows that are long lasting are kind of like the winners because people just want to get the most out of them. That's like American television. I feel like British TV is like way different and it's a lot more interesting because you guys only have six episodes, eight episodes, and then you're done. You're like, okay, moving on, (laughs) which is really fascinating. And there's not that many, I guess, networks uh, that you you have like Channel 4 and then the BBC, like that's it. Um, And and the other, you know, there's Netflix and Hulu. Well, not Hulu, but Netflix. yeah, I mean, there's so much, so much more limited potential in, but I think in ways like I don't believe stories should go on for 18 seasons. Like I just don't think. I think at some point you're like, all right, let's move on. Um, you kind of lose the characters. You you can't tell. Like then it just becomes repetitive. I do think like a story should have a beginning and middle and end, whether that's TV or film, and you should know when that. They always send say like, end it right when it's getting good. Because you want to leave the audience with like a wow factor. And I think right when it's getting good, you just like give them a little little piece and then you're like, all right, we're done. And I think shows like, I think Fleabag did this in an amazing way. She took a long time to write her second season. And I don't think she even wanted to write a second season. She was just like, it's it was so successful. I will do this, but that's it. I'm not doing anything else. And that second season I think is, so much better than the first season and that's rare to have an amazing second season that's like just mind-blowing I mean I I look to that kind of television and I think that's art um but yeah there's a lot of differences with film tv shorts are very different like the short you watched yeah um, they're actually like really really hard because you have 10 to 12 minutes to like tell a whole story and how do you set up these characters that you're really understanding what's going on and then how do you make it compelling for like 10 minutes and earnest and satisfying at the end? And that short took a long time to make. I It took a few months to write. Um, I, it was through a program. So we, we did a lot of development on that and lots of eyeballs were on that. And um, I still think there's so much work to be done <laughs> with that short, but you kind of just have to like let it go and just be like, this is what it is. And I'm going to move on and I'm going to make the next thing because it's all a journey, so. Yeah, so, and in the beginning of this conversation, you mentioned uh, a little snippet about how, like, you know, if you go to a bar, you have, you feel like there's eyes on you and stuff like that, and that's kind of, that kind of reminded me of the short film. Uh, so, basically, was this, like, a personal story? Like, how, how'd you come up about the, the story, and then and, and how'd you come about the whole process? Yeah, I don't know if, Nora, you've seen it, but uh, I, the premise is that two Muslim girls go to a bar for the first time seemingly and they're two friends and it's it's a first of all I just it's not a this this literal thing did not happen to me but what I was noticing 
um, is that a lot of my Muslim female friends were struggling in terms of their identity as hijabis, non-hijabis. And there's a whole element of hijab in, in the, the, the movie, the short. Um, and just what it means to be a Muslim woman. Like we've seen a lot of the male representation, um, quite frankly, with like Riz Ahmed and Rami and all these amazing men who are able to tell their stories. And there really truly is not um, enough female perspective in my opinion. And I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to pitch my own shows. I'm trying to make these, these narratives available. But it was, it really came from a place of like, what does it mean to be a Muslim woman? And the way that we judge each other, like we've all, I feel like we all have questioned at one point in time, like, should I pray? Should I fast? Should I wear hijab? Like, what is my identity? And we don't allow for those conversations to happen in like a healthy way, even between friends. Like my, some of my girlfriends have taken off their hijab and like lied about it because that's the kind of pressure our community puts on stuff like that. And I just feel very strongly that if somebody's going through something or if they, they're making a personal decision, like the community should be supportive, and whether that is to take it on, to put it off. Like we congratulate young girls when they put it on, like as if they've, I, I mean, it's a great thing. I think hijab is great. I wear hijab obviously. And like, I'm still questioning like my identity as a hijabi. And I think we should allow for, for, for women to be able to do that. Um, and, and then, you know, the story also questions what it means to be Muslim. Like if you decide to start drinking or you want to explore certain things, like, does that make you a bad Muslim? Like, does that make, mean you're not Muslim all of a sudden, even though you've grown up in this identity? I just wanted to talk about this stuff because I think even amongst right. my friends who were struggling, they were all trying to hide it. And, and that, that prevents you from having like a real earnest conversation and then it pushes people away from islam like i actually think that's the whole problematic thing is that we're raising young muslims who don't want to go to the mosque they don't want to engage because they're like you guys are all judgmental like when i go to the mosque and my hair is showing some auntie's gonna come and like pull it off you know like that happens to young muslim women all the time i don't know if it happens to men as much but i am like judged and policed my body is constantly policed by the community anywhere I go and to me that's just like so exhausting so I just wanted to have a conversation between two friends um that felt real to me and you know there's a little bit of drama like I would never something happens in the movie I'll just say it spoiler alert um one of the friends like ends up like pulling off the other girl's hijab and like I would never do that in real life and I think that was the biggest issue for me to to grapple with in the film is whether to show that or not because um, a lot of the non-Muslim like producers and the people in the program were like we have to dramatize this moment and how do you show that like she's upset and I was like well the worst thing you can do is pull (laughs) off somebody's hijab but that's like a hate crime so I, it, you, you, that is, those are the choices you're making in storytelling. Like, does this happen in real life? Possibly. Is it dramatized? Yes. Because at the end of the day, it's a movie and you have to like visually show something in like a, a split second to really, you know, show what you're trying to say. And to me, that was the fastest way we could get that story out there, but I would never, ever do that in real life. So um, the emotions and the themes of the short are very real to me. Um, but no, I, <laughs> I've i never done those things. Um, the gray short. 
Very short. Thank though. you. Thank you. I mean, I appreciate that. I uh, feel like a lot of people hate it or love it. So <laughs> that, <laughs> that, there's a really nice uh, viral tweet that I saw the other day that says, uh, uh, just leading on from your point that a mosque should not be uh, a club for the religious or, or, or for the or for certain people but rather uh, you know a place for the spiritually sick um, mm-hmm. which I think it is 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 so important and I feel like you know there is that a lot of unfortunately judgmentalism uh, in uh, our communities and and you know there are so many conversations to have around this um, but I feel like you know when it comes to your show film even with Rami as well I feel like the context of Muslim representation, and we spoke about this again on the podcast before, there's so little Muslim representation in Hollywood and film and TV, and Muslims are so hungry for it that whenever anything comes out, be it your short film, be it Rami, be it, you know, Aziz Ansari's show, The Big Sick or whatever, anything that's kind of, you know, um, uh, misinterpreted perhaps or, or, or Muslims don't like, they kind of attack it and go all out and say, this is absolutely not representative of Muslims, you know, we hate it, we condemn this show. So, I mean, Firstly, does that affect you? Does that affect the way you write? Do you think about that? I mean, how, how does that affect your process? Uh, absolutely. I think you have to think about it, um, but you also have to stop thinking about it at, at, a, at a certain point. Do you think like every white person who writes a show thinks about like, are, are white people going to like it? Like, <laughs> I do think you kind of have to like move beyond that. But as a Muslim and as one of like the first shows ever to be aired on Hulu, um, just giving the example of Rami, um, we were aware of it and we were like, Muslims are going to hate this. Like we, he, he knew, he knew. Um, I mean, Rami is very vocal about this. I think he's talked a lot on panels and stuff and I'm just only going to talk about my perspective, but we, we knew like this was going to be controversial. But what also was a saving grace of all, all of that was that this is a very specific show. His name is Rami. That's the title of the show. It's not Muslim. Um, it's about a very specific character and a very specific experience. And everything that we talked about was from a, a real, it came from a real emotional place. So the character, what he's dealing with is struggles with his identity and sexuality. I mean, truly like his vice is women, right? Like that is season one, kind of the arc of the season. I, I won't talk about season two because I, I didn't work on it, but that is kind of the main journey of the character is trying to figure out like why he keeps doing the same thing over and over again. And I think like for Muslims to be like, that's so not accurate <laughs> is like mind blowing to me because it's like, are you not a human? Like, do you not have experiences of course that character is dramatized because we're telling a story that has to be entertaining at the end of the day but everything we talked about in the room came from a real place so we could always go back to you know a storyline or a beat and say does this feel real like does this feel emotionally real to us and you know the hijinks of it all like him getting high and all those are all plot points like that's just like storytelling um so for anybody to be like that's not real (laughs) I'm sorry is Game of Thrones real like it's you kind of have to like question everything you're watching and I think to put that burden on specific shows about being Muslim or an identity piece like it's so it's so fundamentally like disheartening to me because we would never put that pressure on another show that's just purely sci-fi or adventure or whatever it is um and we put that burden of representation on these particular shows but that's not to say that like 
we shouldn't be conscious of it. I, I think it's a balance. And we were very conscious of the fact that like, this is a very Arab family, A, and not all Muslims are Arab. So that was one thing that I, I personally, I'm Iranian, I'm not Arab. And mm-hmm. I, I, I'm very vocal about that. And I realize also we're talking about a very um, majority sect of Islam, which is Sunni Islam, and I'm Shia. Like I would talk about this stuff in the room. Mm-hmm. We didn't have a Shia character. We didn't have an Iranian character, but like, hopefully some of like that stuff came out. Um, I think we, we, we did not represent a majority of Muslims, which is black Muslims in America. And I think season two did a really good job of trying to bring in diversity into the show. But at the end of the day, I will say that it is a very specific POV and that is a conscious choice on the creator's part. And the, you know, the, the concept of the show is that it's a very one perspective kind of show. And hopefully it re- allows room for other perspectives to come out and other shows to be made. And I hope that's happening. Um, I think it is. I think Rami did kind of open the door for a lot of other things to be made. Um, and I completely agree with you. I feel, I feel like it's really sad that even before like a trailer drops, Muslims are already canceling something. And they were already, we, like the night before the premiere of season one, I remember like going on Twitter and we were all checking, like, we just know it's coming. <laughs> and we and our hope was that people just watch the show, just watch it before judging it. There's certainly issues with the show. I think there was a lack of female representation, a, um, kind of a very kind of toxic masculinity culture that we were trying to deal with and, and maybe not dealing with it properly. There's a lot of issues with the show. I mean, every show has problems, but can we also accept the fact that like, it is so hard to get a show on air. Like it's such a difficult thing. And for us to have this character and to talk about some of the stuff we talked about, like we talked about like anti-Semitism, we talked about like really deep, like political conversations, 9-11. The fact that we were able to portray Osama bin Laden in, in a, with a child, like it's, it's kind of like you have to accept that we've progressed just a little bit and we're gonna keep progressing hopefully more and more. But I will say like, as a woman, I've been very, I, I talk about this. I, I tell Rami all the time. I'm like, if your character was female, this would be a very, very different reaction to the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it would immediately be canceled. Um, and I don't know, I'm just projecting, but I think that would be the case. And I think it's really unfortunate that like some, some of the movies like, um, I think Cuties was a Netflix movie from France yep. that was like immediately uh, canceled even before it came out. And, the, and you know, like we have to accept that certain experiences are valid. Like even if they're not our experiences, like do you think I relate to like Rami as a 28 year old Muslim guy? Like, no, <laughs> but um, I, I want to validate that experience. And if that is his experience, I'm gonna validate it and not shut people down for making art that feels real to them. Um, however, if it's like hateful and pushing a hateful narrative, like that's that's a problem. So I think we, as a Muslim community, we just have to be able to like self reflect and be self-critical without, um, and, you know, I think without like falling apart, <laughs> like, why can't we do that? Why, why we need to be able to do that as a community and move on and, and sort of look at our own issues within our community. But I think it's helpful when you are part of a community. I think it's much harder for a filmmaker who's 
who's not Muslim to talk about a Muslim thing because it's like, mm -hmm. who are you? So I think at the end of the day, we're all like, we're all Muslim. We all have experiences and hopefully um, we can validate somebody else's experience and just keep making stories. Like the goal is to just keep making content to show other perspectives. So that's that's just my opinion on it. Mm -hmm. But I agree. I think cancel culture is toxic and really, really terrible. So Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, again like it's not the most ideal situation because muslims are so hungry for representation right i think everyone wants to see themselves represented in a film and ultimately you grow up seeing yourself as a terrorist or someone who's in the back and then i think for many um you know not to kind of i just want to put their kind of perspectives down cancel culture obviously I'm, I'm not for that but i think many muslims kind of felt like okay we finally got a show about muslims that represents me but there's a lot of sex in it and it's like you know i would say me personally like it did make me feel very uncomfortable and i, I was yeah. kind of like do i now have to press the fast forward button on a show about muslims what you have to do I for know. other shows you know I, I but agree. but but at the same time like i do understand context again it's not my story it's rami's mm -hmm. story i didn't make this show you know you guys put all the effort into the show so it's, it's not my position to say hey you should have done this you should have done that so I, I completely appreciate that um but i guess that was you know, I, I I don't want to misquote Rami on this, but I have heard him say that his, his kind of mission was to make people feel uncomfortable. And, you know, if, if that was yeah. the case, I definitely felt uh, uh, uncomfortable. Um, Hasnain, what were your uh, perspectives uh, on the show? Um, the show, f f for me, wasn't my cup of tea. Uh, I'll just be honest with you. Um, but I did watch it because, you know, I do want to support the progression of Muslim uh, filmmakers. Um so, you know, when like, you know, I was happy to see that, OK, we progress. We're on we're on Hulu. We're, we're, we're on Netflix. We're on, we're, we're on this platform. And then, you know, I reflected. I was like, you know, if that was me and I reached to that height, isn't it kind of my responsibility as a Muslim to showcase Muslims in a good light? But then again, I took a step back and we spoke about this in previous podcasts where it's so it's so easy for like you to get canceled. Like, for example, it's so easy for you to reach a point and then production just pull you out and then you start from the bottom again. And I think that, um, you know, he, he made you feel uncomfortable, but it's for one season and season two was more progression. And people started seeing, like, OK, this is getting better and then season three. Like over time, he'll get to that point. But it's just that he has to break the ice or like the show has to break that ice first before it can you know i think take on like okay we're somewhat responsible for uh, two billion people on the planet you know but i I, th I don't think he is responsible i don't think we were we ha we shouldn't have that responsibility of like representing two billion people because it, it's entirely impossible to do that so i think i think we just need to like not see shows as a tool of like um education at the end of the day there are tools of entertainment and i think the provocativeness of some of the stuff that we talked about are 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 just normal for like the space of comedy um and that's the kind of comedy that rami writes like i personally i don't love that comedy either or that type of like provocative for the sake of provocative but but it was you know every sex scene every beat is very very well thought out and i will say that like we discussed every single um, emotional point of that of of every sex scene and of every kiss and every like female like we talked about all of it and at the end of the day it just it was something that he felt you know our 
our showrunner, our creator felt very strongly about this position. And I agree, like the character is progressing, but that's the vice that, that like, that's the emotional journey of the character. That's what we've set up. Like his issue is that he can't refrain from a certain sin and his sin is you know having sex with women when he's not married and like that is and there is also other vices but like that is really like the core theme of this young man like trying to identify like what am I doing wrong how can I be good um and I think if your character was just like a positive Muslim, like what is that what does a positive Muslim look like you know I I know we yearn for that I know we we want to see people who just do good in the world um, and are just great characters, but that's, unfortunately, that's not great storytelling. And so part of it, I think, is just like creating conflict and how do you do that? Um, it's hard, but it's a balance. And I completely agree that I think like season two was a lot more balanced and there was a lot more of like that spiritual journey. Uh, again, I did not work on season two, so I can't speak about it, but I, I, I agree. I wonder what season three will bring. And I think like you also have to realize like it was a first time show nobody knew what they were doing it was very <laughs> like honestly like it was it was kind of rough like to be very frank like you know Rami's never been a showrunner he's never created anything besides this show right now um so he was learning we were all learning we're all um trying to do our best so i hope that everybody sees that like this was an effort this was like the best effort that we could do with with the resources and the time and not to like, I'm not trying to justify anything. It is what it is. Like it is, that is the intention to make you feel uncomfortable and to make you question. But to me, like I, as a female, like I, I, I don't emotionally relate to that character. So I, I had a lot of tough times, like with, with the other female characters, with that character. And I agree. And I think like you should, not everybody's going to relate. Not everybody is going to see themselves, but hopefully you see something in the show that you can identify with and that it helps helps you understand where where people are coming from so yeah. I, think I, that's, yeah. I, I i would i would definitely say that you know i would like to see again moving on from the conversation of rami because i feel like we've talked so much about yeah, it yeah, and, yeah. I, and i don't want us to make you feel so uncomfortable um no, no, just, I'm <laughs> appreciate it um but just you know when it comes to muslim representation i definitely don't want to have that film where you know the muslim character is perfect there's nasheed in the background 24 7 <laughs> and everything is fine he prays five times a day that's not what i want to see but i feel like you know uh, faith can be tackled in such a uh, deep and in such deep and interesting ways which i feel like we've seen when it comes to christian faith on screen for example daredevil uh, was one example um silence another example you know you can really tackle deeper uh, themes of faith um but i feel like not rami specifically because rami didn't uh, uh, uh enter this territory but i feel like generally when it comes to discussions on muslim faith and screen it's always like i want to be muslim but i'm also western and you know there's a there's a battle between me being muslim and you know, uh, my friend Josh, who wants to take take me out for drinks, which I think we've seen in uh, films like The Big Sick and and uh, Aziz Ansari's sh show as well. Which again, I guess it's like a stepping stone for Muslim representation. But I do want to see films that kind of delve deeper uh, uh, and aren't, aren't so uh, superficial, uh, if I if I could use that word. Yeah. Uh, uh, in future. Um, I mean, I I say let's make them. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> God doesn't change uh, position of people unless they change what's uh, the position themselves, right? That, that's the that's the verse we live by. Um, 
moving on to like the actual logistical uh, parts of, of working on the show, can you just walk us through briefly what it was like? I know you said it was very hectic and crazy, but like being in a writer's room, uh, you know, you, it, it was, uh, from what I understand, your first big budget TV show, being in a writer's room and, and working for such a, you know, a, a show on Hulu, what was it like? How did it work? And, and, you know, how did you find your comfort zone? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I can talk more just like a generally about writer's rooms in general, because I know sure. I've been in multiple ones and um, the Rami situation was very unique because it wasn't like a traditional room. Um, I would say that it was a lot less hierarchical than usually writer's rooms are. So typically you have a showrunner who's like the head head writer and they, usually the creator of the show, not always, because, you know, with, with Rami, he was the, a first time writer creator. So they paired him with uh, a showrunner who's a little bit more experienced. Um, and then, you know, there's other writers kind of underneath those people and there's a, a ranking typically in, in writer's rooms you have like showrunner EPs executive producers co-producers supervising producers like there's all these like titles that are kind of irrelevant and then you know all the way down to like a staff writer which is the first kind of level of writing and then the writer's assistant and the other assistants that work within the room so I will say like Rami the first season was very small was a very small room I think we had about six to seven people in a room at a time like people would come and go some of the producers would come in and out um, and it was a very chill setting like it was in this house in Los Feliz where like an Airbnb kind of thing that we rented so it was a very very not typical like usually you're in a studio um, now everything is on zoom unfortunately but it kind of works it kind of like weirdly like it works because you're just you know in these squares and you're all talking and it actually feels like a lot more efficient. Um, and there's actually digital writer's room boards and stuff that you can use. So lots of tools. Um, but yeah, I will say like, you know, season one was really amazing because you're, you, you, it's a fresh blank slate. Like we had the pilot, the pilot was already created and produced. So we had sort of an understanding of who the character is, what, who are the supporting characters, what, what is the world, but we kind of could, create anything we wanted to create and we could throw out scenarios so you spend you know the first few weeks just throwing out ideas in any writer's room you just like throw out ideas you have kind of a big ideas board maybe you know where you want to end up at the end of the season so you can start kind of from the end and work your way back or at least you know like these are the things we want to see in the show like big kind of moments um we definitely like Rami really had a vision for certain episodes. Like he really wanted to see a 9-11 episode where he's a young boy um, himself at that age. He really wanted an episode with his mom uh, as a main character. And then we, we knew he wanted to end up in Egypt. So that was really helpful just to kind of know, okay, what do we have to do to get this character to go mm -hmm. to Egypt? And for, for that character it was really like a spiritual and emotional thing that happens to him uh, that forces him to really reflect and be like, I have to go and know myself and understand myself. So that's where we kind of begin in the first few weeks. And then you get into really, really um, detailed boarding of the episode. So like episode one, you go through the beats, episode two, three, et cetera. And once you have like all the beats for an episode, typically a writer will go off and write an outline. And that's just kind of like a summary of all the beats and sort of a shape of a story. And then you send that outline. This is very, you said, 
go no, go for it. Please go for it. <laughs> uh, then you send that outline to the network and the studio. So these are all the people that are involved in the production of the show. They give you notes. You can chat about them. You can take the notes. You can not take it. It's very political. It's like, which note am I going to take? What am I not? Gonna... It's, it's like a whole thing. Like it's a whole experience of like learning how to talk to executives and learning what to take and what not to take. And yeah, being a showrunner is, is insanity. I will say that. Um, so you're doing all of that. And then, you know, once the outline is approved, you go off as a writer and you write your episode. You Usually you have like a few days or a week to write it. And it should be easy at that point because you have all the beats and all the notes right. from the room that we all talked about. So this is a critical part of like a writer's room that I think most people don't understand is that just because my name is on an episode doesn't mean I came up with that episode. Like we all worked on it together. Half of the ideas are not mine. Maybe like a third of the lines are mine. Like, you know, like you, you do, you, you are creating a show with a group of people. Um, so I got lucky enough to do the Ramadan episode and you come back, you get notes, you do revisions and it just keeps going. And at a certain point, you know, with Rami, because he's also a character in the show, we had to write all the episodes because he couldn't be on set and in the room at the same time, which is very rare. Usually you're on set and writing and that's crazy. Like you're, you're readjusting episodes. You're like, you have the writer's room and you have to be on set at the same time. And in this case, I think it's really good. Like you could write all the episodes and then go off and produce them. But once you're off producing, you don't have your writers anymore. So it's just, it's just you and the showrunner and that's a really pressurized situation to be in because what if a story doesn't make sense? You know, you're in the you're in production and you're like, oh, this doesn't make sense or we can't do this. Then you have to literally rewrite everything yourself, which I think ended up kind of happening. Like he rewrote a lot of stuff with himself and his producers. And I was there uh, helping a little bit like I was on set and, and I ended up script coordinating, which is like a whole other job. Mm -hmm. um, but but learning a lot from that experience and, you know, the great thing about a comedy is that there's also great actors and great comedians. Like we had Mo Amer and um, he was hilarious. Dave, I, I loved his role. <laughs> yeah, Dave Meherji and those two guys are like really great at just riffing with each other. So half the lines like are just them riffing and they're just hilarious. And we're like, that's great. Like let's just use those lines, you know. So that's comedy is really fun because you can kind of go off the script a little bit and and do what like feels right in the moment. Um, and it's way funnier than anything I could write. So, uh, that happened a lot and that's the process. So you just, you produce and probably spend like three months shooting, you know, all the episodes maybe more, and then you're in post and you're editing for another two, three months. And it's just like a cycle. And then you're getting ready to send it off to the network and student. And at the same time, you're constantly getting notes from people. You're adjusting, readjusting, you're re-editing. It's really really insane amount of work um i i, I think uh, you know for, so sorry Hassan, just before you jump in i think for people who who consume uh tv and film the 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 behind the scenes is such a almost mysterious process and i remember reading uh, uh one of my favorite shows is lost right and i remember meeting reading uh damon lindelof's uh, story on how and how he created the show and he was like we wrote the pilot and then Two months later, I realized that I'm standing in Hawaii with all these actors surrounding me, asking me when, if, if they're going to be on the episode today. And he just had like a full mental almost breakdown. And it's like, you know, you, you forget just how hectic of a job. I, I, I'm not, I've never been on, 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 on a set or, or worked on a film or a TV show, but, you know, I can imagine it's such a hectic, uh, stress, stressful job. 
Mm-hmm. Um, what I would ask is that you know, you know, uh, before Hasnain jumps back in, how do you kind of, do you have to kind of adapt, readapt your creative process when it comes to uh, working with other writers? Because I feel like for many creatives, you know, they're very OCD about them writing something or creating something, and and, and you know, it, it's their art piece, and they don't want anyone to touch it. But yeah. you know, on TV and film, you have to kind of like collaborate, and that, that that's a big part of the industry. Yeah. How, how how does it how did you adapt your creative process was it tough and and what advice would you give to anyone who who is going to step into a writer's room yeah that's what you, i think the the big difference and Hussein, you asked this like what's the difference between film and tv and the real difference is that tv i think both film and tv are very collaborative but tv is so much more collaborative because you truly like there are creators who can write a show from beginning to end and it's just their voice and sort of Rami was sort of like that. Like he really did have this kind of grip on the show that I think was helpful because in a first season, you're, you're sort of establishing the voice. You really need it to be very, very clear and specific. But I think what is also helpful is having a room of people who can be like, let's throw this idea out. Let's do that. If you're really, really stuck, like that is super, super helpful. And I don't know too many people who can just write an entire show themselves like that is impossible and it's usually not very good um usually it's like there's there's a collaboration and in film the director is sort of the number one voice um because usually the director is also writing or you know it's their creative vision in tv the writer and the showrunner is the sole authority and that's a really really interesting spot to be in as a writer like that's personally why i enjoy tv more is because i feel like they do give a lot of credit to the writer it's all about the storytelling and the visual and the cinematography and all that comes in but it's not the number one thing the number one thing is the the actual characters and the drama and and all of that so it's really interesting that the showrunners have so much power in tv um and I think as, as advice to give to a young writer entering a writer's room, all you have to know is really that you are there to serve the, you're there to serve the showrunner. Like that is truly your number one job. And a lot of, I think young writers kind of get lost in this a little bit where um, they get hurt if an idea isn't accepted or they can't take criticism or they don't know how to pitch. I think you just have to be really able to like, move on if something doesn't land like move on don't repitch it that's like the number one rule is like don't ever repitch anything unless you feel like okay i can really like hit it on the nail this time like don't repitch it you're there to serve the showrunner so if the showrunner is like i want this that is what you have to do you can't just be like well i think the show should be this like you're not there to give your opinion on what you think um, the overall story should be. You're there to really pitch on like what is established and what is the foundation and how can you make the showrunner's vision come to life? That is your number one job. And I think a, a lot of people feel like, well, I'm, I'm giving all these ideas, like, you know, this is my show and it's really not, <laughs> you're not, that is not your show until you get a show with your name as the creator on it. So it's hard. I mean, look, like it's difficult. It's hard because sometimes, you know, everybody has their own creative vision and they have their own opinions and their likes and dislikes. It's very hard to, to, to get rejected or an idea to get rejected, but that's like life, right? Like we all get rejected all the time. And if, if you can't like move on from that kind of quickly and be able to like get yourself back together. And if you're going to pout about it in the corner, like nobody wants you in the room. And that's Mm -hmm. the other thing. 
I think half the time being in a room is really just about being a personality and being like likable. Um, and I hate to say that because I, I don't think you should just like be on all the time and try to be like funny or whatever. I mean, just be like an amicable person to work with because you're in a room for like eight hours a day and you're just talking to each other. So really people will want to work with you. They'll want to have to work with you. And just, I think just be nice. Like I'm, I'm all like, and, and take people's ideas, be open, um, give credit where credit is due. I think that's really important. If somebody has an idea, don't like steal it and pitch it as your own. There's all these little rules that like slowly, but surely you get to learn in a writer's room. Um, but these are all things that I learned like afterwards in more traditional spaces. Um, I, I quite frankly was a little bit lost in the Rami room because it was, it was so new and so different and, uh, but but at the end of the day, we were all there to serve his story. So we were trying to kind of just serve his vision. Just kind of like winding down, um, you know, I, I think it, it's so wonderful to see, um, you know, I, I know we started the, the, the whole episode speaking about, you know, the fact that this is also just your personal journey. You're not representative of, of, of two billion Muslims uh, moving into the film industry. But it is, you know, straight up so wonderful to see a Muslim woman like yourself, you know, there in the thick of it. Uh, and, you know, I just want to take this moment to really appreciate you. There's Hassanine with the flowing hands to, 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 for the visuals. Um, for anyone who kind of wants to get into uh, the film industry, wants to get into screenwriting specifically, um, what advice would you give them both in terms of, honing their craft and in terms of breaking in because I feel like the film industry you know like I alluded to before is such a mysterious thing um so many people you know dream of becoming a director or, be or, or becoming an actor yeah. or an editor or a screenwriter and just don't know how to get there um and I feel like it's almost this it's it's it seems like this almost exclusive club, which is, you know, so hard and secretive to break into. Um, so what advice would you give firstly to Muslim screenwriters, aspiring Muslim screenwriters who want to hone their craft? What advice would you give to them there? And then what advice would you give to them in terms of breaking into the industry? I know. I get this question literally on every panel. And I, don't <laughs> know how to answer. I mean, I do know. I do know. I think as a writer, um, again, like I said throughout this whole episode, I think you just have to do it. You just have to start somewhere. And if you literally don't know where to start, like pick up a screenwriting book. Um, I went to grad school. You do not have to go to grad school. I just, I like school and I wanted that sort of sense of guidance. Um, pick up a basic screenwriting book. There's millions out there, but like I love the Sid Field books um, or like screenwriting Bible. Uh, there's also Save the Cat, which is like a basic foundation for film writing. Um, there's a lot of resources like online. The second thing I would do is read other people's scripts. You can literally find anyone else's script online, like TV shows, films, whatever you personally want to write or like a kind of show you want to write or like you want to write a pilot, pick up the, the pilot of another show that you really admire and just take a look at the format and see what people are doing. And there, there is a formula to everything. That's what I'll say. All, and, and even shows that claim they don't have a formula, they have a formula. Even if they don't think they do, they do. So just figure out what the formula is for a show and replicate it. I think that's the easiest way to try to learn the basics of screenwriting. And then once you know the basics, you can kind of mold and shape that into uh, new formats. You can do 
a whole Terrence Malick thing where you don't have anything, no story. You're like, what, what is happening? Looking um, through curtains. <laughs> yeah, what's going on? Um, but I think TV is a lot more formulaic, but film is too. It, it, it is all the same. It's all, it's called, we use the term story math, which is like so bad. Don't ever use that. But there is a story math to everything we do. Um, and if you set up something, you want to pay it off. If, if there's a beginning, there's a middle, then there's an end. Like there's all those things and you can learn that very easily. Um, and then it's just like once you have that formula down, it's, it's about finding your voice. Uh, I think that's the hardest thing to do because we're all still finding who we are. And I think a lot of young people come out of college in their 20s and they're like, I have a voice and you might, you might be like very unique and very worldly and you might have a voice, but really like in your twenties, you don't, you don't like you have a perspective, but it, you're not a fully fleshed human being. And I personally say that because I feel like I really found somewhat of my voice, like literally a year ago, like two years ago, I've only been writing for two years since 2018. Um, this will be my third year of like officially being a writer uh, and I'm 30. So I, I don't think it just happens easily. I think it takes time to develop your voice and your craft and uh, people who think like, you know, somebody just made a movie and now they're famous. Like they've been doing the work for many, many years. Usually, typically they've been doing a lot of work. Like Rami was a comedian for 10 years, like hustling in and out of comedy clubs, like developing his craft, doing the thing. He had a lot of help on the show, but also he's like an amazing storyteller. And I think you really just have to do the work and not try to find a loophole into success because I don't think loopholes exist um, generally. And then if you just want to get into film, um, it's tough. I think in the time of COVID, we're talking about like a different world. So I, I truly don't have an answer to this. Unfortunately, it's harder to get on sets we're having like COVID precaution meetings. Um, people aren't hiring a lot of the entry level positions that we used to have in a writer's room. We used to have on set, like there's less PAs, there's just less opportunity. So I think right now, all we can really do is educate ourselves. Like if you want to get into filmmaking, check out the podcast, check out movies, check out scripts, like just do the work that you need to do to understand the craft. Um, I do think school is helpful to certain people and it's helpful to kind of like networking and getting yourself out there. And you really do at the moment before COVID times, you had to be in LA or New York to kind of get into these industries. And I think that might still be the case after we're hopefully through the crisis that we're in right now. I do think these are like centers and hubs of filmmaking. There's Canada, there's London, there's all these places like just I think you do have to be in a central hub to kind of really learn and be with people who are doing the same thing. Um, so th that's my word of advice. And, and sometimes grad school is helpful in just getting you in the door. Um, but I just I said when I was younger, <laughs> and by that I mean like three years ago, I used to say yes to everything. Um, I always said yes, even if it was like a very terrible project that I hated, I just wanted to get experience. So I would always say yes. And I think when I finally said no to something that was very powerful mm. and I knew that I could be okay without doing that thing. But I think like it's good to be open and not, not be picky and try and like get your foot in the door some way or another without compromising your beliefs or anything. Um, 
I think that's important. I think it's important to kind of like humble yourself. You know, you're not going to be like Spielberg the first time around. <laughs> um, you really, really have to practice and practice makes perfect in this scenario. I, I truly do believe that. So I hope that's useful. I think it was uh, Martin Scorsese or, or I think I'm pretty sure I want, I want to say it's Martin Scorsese who was saying that in this age, there's no excuse if you want to become a filmmaker for you to go out, buy a camera and just make a film. You know, yeah. and I think that's what people who, who, who um, and people who like want to break into the industry and, 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 you know, become famous and, and, you know, reach those heights. I think, I think the, the main thing they're forgetting is, Hey, just make a film and then make your second film, then your third film, then your fourth film and see where that takes you. I think, yeah. That is the, uh, uh, you know, the, the important journey to take. Um, as a final question, and, and I feel like we could speak forever. And I'm so sorry. To Wait, take so I have a question, bro. I have to get things off my mind, right. too. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, I don't know if you heard of this uh, Facebook page called Amleto or something like that, where they post short films from people around oh, the world. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I recently saw an, a phenomenal Iranian short film uh, in Farsi. Uh, and so basically leading off of that, um, Iranian filmmaking has been top notch in the past several years. Um, and I'm really proud of that. And I'm Pakistani, but have I, you guys, really... sorry to interrupt, have you guys both seen that Prophet Muhammad film that they made? I have yeah. not. Muhammad I can't was... find it. Prophet on... Muhammad or Prophet Yusuf? Prophet Muhammad. Oh, so it, it, it's 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 really hard to find, but if you go on, it, their marketing is horrible. It's on, it, check it out on Facebook, but I'm not kidding you. It's one of the best films I've ever seen in terms of cinematography, music. Wow. It is absolutely unbelievable. I, I could not believe they made it. Definitely, it's called Mohammed Messenger of God. I think check it out. Yeah, it's, it's on Facebook again. Like their marketing is horrible, so yeah, it ended I've, up on I've Facebook. But it. it's it's like a multi-million dollar film. Yeah, so it's, it's, yeah. like Iranian filmmaking is 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 pick is like top notch. So you know, as an uh, Iranian American yourself, you know, what are your thoughts on that? Is that something you want to dabble in, in moving forward? Do you see yourself reconnecting on that side and maybe traveling over there, doing film work there? Or is, is you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? I know, I'm pretty sure you're proud that, yay, yeah, you know. Um, I'm definitely proud, of course, of course. And I, I try to, in some way or another, insert my Iranian-ness somehow in everything I do. Um, I'm really excited to work on this show that I'm working on now because there's an Iranian Muslim character and she's like proudly Iranian, which is really nice because a lot of the times we see Iranians in the West, like, you know, as defectors or like, you know, anti-revolution and all those things, um, which is fine if you are, but like there's a certain type of Iranian. And of course, Tehran, which is an Apple TV show that just came out i don't know if you guys saw it but i haven't seen it but i read the synopsis and i wasn't too yeah. happy <laughs> i mean it's crazy because they it's purely israeli producers so it's like pure propaganda i mean this is like common knowledge and i did watch it just so i can have a sense of like what is going on and it's so well produced that i was i was shocked i was like this looks like iran wow. and all the characters speak farsi um, and it's so well done. And I think that's the problem is like, it's actually like, it's scary because I think people can believe it and, and, and not see it as propaganda because it's so well produced, but that's an entirely different uh, subject. Um, I, I would love to go to Iran. I would love to make a movie there. I think it's really, really difficult as a Westerner because um, a lot of our financing comes from like American companies and obviously we have sanctions against Iran. So the real issue with making movies in Iran is A, the censorship that takes place there and B, the financing. So if you're financed by like a European country like France, 
maybe Germany, whoever has a relationship with Iran, like financially, you can kind of get money there. That's the big issue. And second is how can you can you produce something that will be approved by the government? Um, and the type of stories I want to tell, I, I don't think are like political. I, I really just want to tell emotional stories and dramatic, like from a Western perspective, I, I have this dream project um, about a family that goes on a road trip through Iran, but like they're coming to visit for the summer. Like we've all gone back home for a summer, right? And you're just like, as a kid, like trying to figure out where you're from and like who your family members are and it's overwhelming. And I've, I've had that experience going back to Iran of just hating it at first and being like, why are we in this third world country on our summer break? Like, I want to go to Hawaii, like all my other friends and, but then really falling in love with your country. And um, my parents, we actually lived in Iran for a few years. My parents moved us back when I was seven until about, I was 11 years old. So I've been, I've lived in Iran and that's the feeling I had. I was like, Oh, I'm from this like crappy place. It's terrible. Like I miss America. But then as an adult, like I, I revisited and we, we went on this like epic road trip where I just like had a reconnection with everything and saw everything differently. And I hope we could tell those stories from like an American Western lens, but about Iran, because I think Iran is so misconceived and the types of movies that come out of Iran are amazing, but there there's always like a subtle political message or there's like you know, that's, that's a perspective that's like Iranian. And I, and I want to bring in like the Iranian American perspective to Iran, if that makes sense. Um, and so, yeah, that would be a dream come true. I, I would love to do that. I just don't Training know. For you. <laughs> well, I definitely hope that one day we can, we can yeah. definitely uh, go to theater and see it. Um, just a final question before we let you go. Um, do Muslims belong in Hollywood and why? Of course we belong. Uh, Yes, we will, we belong everywhere uh, because we are part of this fabric, of course. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know why that's a question. <laughs> but yes, <laughs> so I hate uh, my questions today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm kidding. I uh, yeah, and and I think we have to like own the fact that we belong, and we have to own the fact that like they need us more than we need them. Like they need our stories, they need our perspectives, um, and it's not, it's not even us versus them. Like I just want to make good stories because I love filmmaking and I want to be part of this community and I, I want to be seen as like a serious storyteller. So um, I hope that I, I am not just seen as a Muslim storyteller, but as an amazing, amazing storyteller, a writer, filmmaker, whatever you want to call it. And that I'm going to be the best in my craft and that people want to hire me just because I'm good at what I do. And that's my goal as a creative person. Awesome. So really appreciate it. No, you, you. you can send you can send uh, your scripts to her. No. <laughs> so basically no unsolicited <laughs> There's basically a Ryan joke in the show, Sahara. Uh, the uh, first time the first time I met Hasnain was in like what three, four years ago and I was like, Hasnain, I'm writing on a script. I can't wait for you to read it. And about five years later I'm on page seven of that script. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why I was just so interested in, in learning about the craft and trying trying to improve because I, I'm obsessed with 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 getting into screenwriting but it's just you know it's, it's such a, a hurdle for me that i have to to overcome so you know you know yeah. you're definitely taking us to school uh, on this episode and hopefully you know me and has name both will will we'll take your, your lessons on board so thank you so much for joining us really appreciate you once again um just before we let you go uh is you know can you let us know what you're working on right now where can we expect to see your name uh in future and where can people reach out to you and find you on social media sure um i'm working on a new show for freeform 
um, on a new season of a show that exists that I can't say, but I'll, it'll come out soon. Um, I'm also pitching my own stuff and trying to, you know, sell things and make my own show. And I'm writing a movie for uh, Sony with Amy Pascal that, you know, hopefully um, will be produced one day, inshallah. And you can find me on Instagram mainly because I don't know how to use Twitter. I don't know what it <laughs> is. Uh, but my handle is at in this Jahan, J-A-H-A-N. But also you can just search Sahar Jahani and hopefully find me there and i have a website um i encourage anyone to reach out i i, I i'm the loser who like responds to everybody so <laughs> i will i will respond um and i'll try to you know help as much as i can but um you know i would say like the advice the last thing i'll say is if you have a script or if you have a story like please make sure it's like formatted properly and like you're you're using all the main like storytelling conventions and that you're not just sending like i've received a lot of word documents and uh random paragraphs so if you're if you want to write scripts like the least you can do is look up uh final draft and download it so that, that is my word of advice to anybody who wants to write so appreciate you thank you so much for coming thank on you. Thank, thank you, you so guys much. so much i appreciate you guys and that was a really fascinating conversation with sahar jahani who is trailblazing in hollywood thanks again for joining us sahar and we wish you all the best in the years to come just a quick reminder to all the listeners that you can subscribe to us on all platforms and wherever you listen to podcasts. We are on Apple Podcasts, we are on Spotify, we are on Anchor and we are also on YouTube. Please do subscribe and if you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with your friends. Share it on social media, Twitter or Instagram and myself or Hasnain or Sahar will repost it for you, inshallah. Don't forget that we have a new episode every single Sunday, so be sure to stay tuned. Thank you for joining us here over at 786 Boulevard.